Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I scared Bruce. I'm Andy. Uh, I, yeah, I'm Bruce. I'm Bruce. Um, I'm in such like a like a dungeony dark. I mean, it helps that days now are like ten hours long, and uh, just the, the, yeah, nice start is at like three thirty in yeah, the afternoon. I wake up, the sun hasn't come up, and I get out of work, and the sun has gone down. See, luckily for me, I work in my house, and honestly, I've got one window because I happen to work in the hallway because I'm still doing the work from home thing. So I do see the daylight <laughs> occasionally. Yeah, I uh, I miss the daylight, if only because uh, driving home from work. Like, I, I love commuting. Yeah. I get to sit down, listen to podcasts, whatever. I mean, I get to do that at work uh-huh. as well. I just put an earbud in, tune everybody out, listen to it. Um, speaking of dungeons, uh, we, we enter our second half of our second half of this season. <laughs> Final quarter, we, we turn around, we, we come around turn four, I guess. Sure. Uh, to the, to the last straightaway of the, the season. I don't, I, I don't watch racing. I don't know why I did this metaphor. Um, <laughs> But we've we've got a, a cool new deck tech or uh, uh, deck tail uh, like the cartoon like, yes duck yes. tail yeah anyway uh, Bruce you brought us Grenzo Dungeon Warden I have um, um, let me let me read it yeah let me let me read that card Grenzo Dungeon Warden uh, for X Black Red two two legendary creature Goblin Rogue Grenzo Dungeon Warden. Enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, and then he's an activated ability of two. Put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. If it's a creature card with the power less than or equal to Grenzo's power, put it onto the battlefield. Um, very cool. It's wild. Um, okay. <clears throat> the key with Grenzo... Or, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Grenzo sounds like a deck that is very niche. Like, how many possible builds could you get with a card like this? Mm-hmm. It's looking for creatures on the bottom of your library. So, so there must be a significant right. limit on the kind of decks. I will say that I think that there are three major deck types with Grenzo. Okay. The first one, Goblin Tribal. I've seen a number of Grenzo decks where it's just Grenzo, a lot of goblins, and you're just churning them out. So oh, yeah. you're casting them from your hand, you're flipping them off the bottom. For the most part, you can make, you know, choose to make Grenzo however big you want because yeah. he has X in the cost. But they make it big enough so that it can, so that you can flip goblins yeah. off the bottom of your library. I mean, even for X equals zero, you could probably hit most goblins. Right, because um, Grenzo does start as a 2-2. With a face like that, I somehow forgot he was a goblin. I always right. forget he's a goblin. Well, that's because two of my favorite decks are run by goblins, but I don't follow any goblin theme with them. Made by a goblin. Old Buzzbark yeah. is also a goblin. Ooh. But it has no it's had no effect in the cards that I've chosen. Yeah. It's interesting. We I mean, we've been doing this now for forty five episodes. Mm-hmm. No. Forty this is forty eight. Um, and uh, we've gone through a number of your decks, and it hit us between seasons that we didn't talk about this deck yet. 
we've brought it up plenty of times yeah. and but this is like like peak bruce to me at least like like i think about grenzone i think about bruce same way i do about buzzbark same way i do about uh Krond, i guess yeah <laughs> he'll get his own episode soon i'm sure someday <laughs> um the yeah and everybody feels the same way mm-hmm. um i built grenzo and uh, it was one of the decks that I carried with me when I went out to do a lot of events. When I was going out to some of the bigger events and hitting a number of these markets. And it wasn't a deck that a lot of other people were playing. Yeah. I may I may be presumptuous here, but um, there have been plenty of times where I've been trying to find like a, like a good commander. Just like start with the commander and then go to the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and searching for commanders, it... Uh, occurred to me oh go to the go to the multiplayer uh sets so we've got you know battle bond we've got uh conspiracy conspiracy and i correct me if i'm wrong grenzo's conspiracy yes um so like i've gone through so many versions of decks i've gone through so many like starts of decks where i'm like oh yeah i could do a conspiracy commander um haven't gotten there yet but Okay, you better hurry because um, I'm working my way through virtually all ooh. of them. Um, I conspiracy is one of my favorite sets. Yeah, and I have built, uh, I built Grenzo, Queen Marchesa, uh, Marchesa, Marchesa the, the Black, Black Rose. Rose. Uh, I built online. I built a version of Muzio. Mm. Uh, I mono blue. Yes. Yeah. And who else have I built? Oh, uh, Brago. Oh, Eternal. yes, of course. And I think there's at least one other that I built. Mm-hmm. But when I saw Grenzo, I what what made me want to build the deck was just the idea that it's something that I had never ever seen any other card do. Mm-hmm. I mean, who takes advantage of the bottom of your library? That's supposed to be an area where you have no control over. It's just sheer randomness and crazy <laughs> and uh you know, who knows what's at the bottom and that you have no way to set that up. Yeah. Now when we start going through the cards, we're going to find that's not quite true. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know it would definitely leaned in. And what I found with the deck is that it really does encourage you to go outside the usual cards. Mm. Um, the, a lot of the cards in this deck are not your usual commander fare, just because uh, you know we are looking. I am looking for creatures that have a power have a low power and toughness because i don't want to make grenzo big i want to <laughs> i want to spend the mana flipping cards off the bottom mm. of the library so um so we've gone that route uh and of course then you're also looking for a lot of the other cards that we're about to talk about so yeah um so tell us what's what's the what's the ideal like play pattern with grenzo all right so for my Grenzo deck, the ideal play pattern is you want to get Grenzo early. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like to see some mana rocks early. More importantly, though, I want to see Grenzo out and ideally Hearthstone. But it's not even a secret. It's one of the key cards <laughs> to the deck. Um, if you're running Grenzo without Hearthstone, you're in. You're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Hearthstone is a three mana artifact. The cost of each ability. Sorry, the cost of each creature ability. Requiring an activation cost is reduced by one. This cannot reduce an ability's generic mana cost to less than one. 
essentially that is the oracle text. What it basically says is the cost. I mean, Grenzo costs two mana to flip the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. With Hearthstone, it goes okay. down to one. You've you've reduced it by half. So imagine that every single one of the cards in your deck, the cost has been reduced by half because that's what you're getting with Hearthstone in this deck. <laughs> so it's huge. Um, there are I. So ideally, you want to get to that point. You want to get a lot of mana out. So if you can get Crypt Ghast, if you can get rocks, if you can just get more land, as much land into play as possible, uh, then ideally what you want is at the end of your last opponent's turn, you want to activate Grenzo's ability. Uh, pay the two, flip the card, hope that it's a creature, put it into play, and do it as much as you have mana available. Mm. Um don't waste it. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. There's no reason for it to be sitting there and not getting unused at this point. So use it. Mm. Um, it's especially nice with, you know, Wraths being generally sorceries. Right. Uh, so you're getting around that. Also, it's about to be your turn. So they don't need haste. They right. just get out there and go. Yeah. Um, there, aren't, there aren't that many creatures in this deck that have haste. And Grenzel's ability doesn't give them haste. So... Uh, so, you know, don't think, this isn't, uh, you know, put the creature out, you've got one turn, swing, and then your creature disappears. No, these creatures are here. They're on the board. You you put them out there. You're getting the enter the battlefield trigger, you're getting everything, and they stay there. So you do want to, but I, you know, you do want to attack with them right away. So better mm. to do that at the end. I think what's nice, too, is that, like, because they are such low power, um, generally. Right. Uh like they're not wholly going to be specific targets of removal right um you are get it you're generally getting it for its etb um and if it dies well that's yes. not so bad either <laughs> now just so everyone understands for my deck uh i'm looking to make grenzo a 3-3 Okay. So the X on Grenzo for me is one. Uh, so I'll give it one plus one plus one counter, makes it into a three three, and that makes it able to cast all the creatures in my deck. So the creatures in my deck are all at most three power, or they have a variable in their mm. power, which is sort of a way to get around that because the variable is deemed to be zero whenever it gets cast right so it works out fairly well but um that's part of the reason why so many of the cre well, why a lot of the creatures in my deck are smaller and mm. i do look for enter the battlefield triggers or something that's quirky or bizarre about them right um to make that go so um yeah i really like i i like the idea that you can get him out on turn two if you really want like it's not yeah. it's not hard to get him out turn two no um, I mean, obviously, if you want X to be zero, I mean, you have a lot of two-power creatures in here. Yeah. Um, you can you, take your chance with that. Yeah. Um, Especially early game. Right. If somebody has a really threatening commander. And in the first version of this deck, the first version of Grenzo that I built, I had a number of 4-4 four, four creatures. I had a handful of 4-4 four, four dragons in the deck. Hmm. And uh, so Grenzo was coming in as a 4-4. Four, four. Because I wanted to be sure I could cast them. However, if worse came to worse, you could cast them as a 3-3. There were only about four, maybe five creatures that were 4-4. So you could take your chance, run them a little smaller, 
flip cards and hope you didn't hit the dragon. Or if you did, then it sat in the graveyard and you made it work. <laughs> so, however, um, while I will say that another way to build the deck is chaotic, mm-hmm. where it's exactly what I've just described. As much mana as you can get, you're flipping creatures as fast as you can, you're, you're just, and you're flipping blindly off the bottom of your deck. Whatever happens to be there is what you get. For that kind of a, a Grenzo deck, you really are leaning onto your creatures. You want to make 40, maybe 50% of your deck creatures because you want to hit. Uh, loading it up with enchantments and spells and artifacts. These They're are cards gonna... <laughs> that are just dead weight when you start flipping off the bottom. Yeah. So if you're going to go chaotic... Then that's what you have to. Then that's the sort of setup you want. Yeah, there have definitely been you know plenty of games where I'm like watching you just flip lands from the bottom, and I'm like, and that's going to happen. Um, However, my deck Mm -hmm. is built to be much more of a (laughs) control deck, uh, as rack as control as a Rakdos deck gets. (laughs) I guess Uh, it's more of a, a control deck in that. I try and know what's on the bottom of my library so that I can flip, so I know what I'm about to pay two for. Right. Um, now, there are a variety of ways to make this happen. Um, the easiest and I think most obvious for the average person who's thinking about the deck for the first time is Scry. <laughs> Look at the top card. You can either put it back or put it on the bottom. Everybody always look, says at, repeats it as, look at the top card. If you want it, keep it on top. If you don't, if you don't want it, you throw it on the bottom. Mm-hmm. In Grenzo, it's, look at the top card. If it's a creature, put it on the bottom. <laughs> if it's anything else, leave it on top. Yeah. And even sometimes, I will put something, I will put an artifact on the bottom because I'm desperate for land. Mm. And I need to find the land. So I will scry down just to get to land, knowing that, yeah, there's a whammy at the bottom now. But but it's two, it's two mana to get past. Or just one. Or just uh, one, yes. But So there's a handful of ways to scry. Um, I've got Viscera Seer, Crystal Ball, and Seer's Lantern, among others. Uh, I've got a couple of lands that also come into play or enter the battlefield and scry. But while scry is nice... Mm-hmm. There are better and more effective ways to make this deck run. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've got a whole host of them. The best pair is uh, Canal Dredger and Epitaph Golem. Um, the Dredger is tapped to put target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. So with wow. this, <laughs> Right. So most of the time what this means is I'm going to take... A creature that has mm-hmm. died because that, that's what they do right that's what they do it's what they do best honestly right so they die so it dies and then i can then tap this and put a creature on the bottom of my on the bottom of my library now that's the full cost is tapping this creature so at the end of my opponent's turn if a creature is dead i can tap put that creature on the bottom pay two flip it back into play get the enter the battlefield trigger and it is ready to go and attack on my turn. Hmm. Um, <laughs> this creates a lot of ugly loops with... So if I've got a creature that can destroy creatures, this is a nice way to get that done. Um, if I've got a creature that you sacrifice to get a benefit, 
Well, then you sacrifice it, it goes to the graveyard, you tap the dredger, you put it underneath, you spend the two, it comes back out. You can then sack it again. Um, but the dredger only lets you handle that once because it taps. But mm -hmm. um, Epitaph Golem, uh, its ability is you spend two, put target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. There's no tapping here. It's a mana cost, it costs two. So your creature's dead, you spend two to put it on the bottom, you spend two more, you can put it back out onto the battlefield. That's pretty good for four mana. Or, or with heart? two with Hearthstone. Amazing. Yeah. So again, if you've got creatures that sacrifice, you can do loops like this. Oh no. With Hearthstone, it's only costing two. Do you have, uh, do you have the, the altar in here? Uh, I do not. Because right. um, then you just get like an infinite loop. Right. Well, one, I'm not going for the infinite loop. <laughs> um, and two, what I do find is even when that option is out there, mm -hmm. it doesn't really play in very often. Right. You need a you need an outlet for whatever the... Right. And a lot of times you need the sack outlet. That's part of the reason Visitors here is there. Sack a creature, scry one. So... Yeah, that plays in doubly to your Right. To your so plan. not only can I... If I look at the after I've scryed, I can then put a creature on the bottom and then take the creature that I just sacrificed, spend two to put it on the bottom. Now I've got two creatures there. Mm. I can spend two twice and put them out. Now you can start to see why Hearthstone is important because what I just described costs six mana. With Hearthstone, it costs three. It's six mana, but it's at instant speed. It's at like I mean, like right, and then you don't you're not required to do it all at once. It, yeah, like you know, putting spread it out. yeah, putting the things on the bottom of the library. There have been plenty of times that I got got um, where you've put something on the library, let it sit there for a couple turns, and then the moment oh, it's the strikes, graveyard? Uh, you put it from oh. the graveyard onto the bottom of the library, yeah, and then just wait it, just wait, yeah, and then when moment strikes, you put it out and. Right. People are like, ah, oh, crap. Right. And this is the benefit of knowing what's on the bottom of your library. Mm -hmm. Because if it's sitting there and I know what it is, usually it's an, there's an enter the battlefield trigger. Now, if uh, if it is a, a Shriek Maw. So if I know Shriek Maw is at the bottom of my library, I don't really want to play it until I know that you've got a creature I want dead. Mm -hmm. That Shriek Maw can kill. So I can wait. It doesn't have to happen right away. So you can hold off a little bit, spend the mana on the cards in your hand, or setting up the board better, or doing whatever else. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, but that's just Canal Dredger and Epitaph Golem. There's Telgelad Stylus, which is put target permanent you own on the bottom of your library. Uh, there's the Rito Lantern. Just completely forego the, the graveyard altogether. Yeah, yeah, just skip that part. Uh, read a lantern put target card in a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library now this one costs three but it doesn't specify your graveyard yes so the whole point of this card is to take cards out of your opponent's graveyards and put them in the bottom of their library because that essentially exiles them right because they're like right especially if you're playing against anybody who does any graveyard shenanigans like yeah it's great like most players um, <laughs> the key, though, or the, the joy with the Rita Lantern is in this deck, everybody reads it and thinks, oh, no, nobody thinks about their own graveyard. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I almost never target somebody else's graveyard. But it's there and it could happen. Um, Junk Troller, again, is another one. Uh, put target card in a graveyard 
on the bottom of its owner's library. So it does the same thing as a lantern, but you have to tap the junk troller to do that. Um, and then there's a handful of other cards. Um, I put Mind Moil in here as another card that does this. Whenever you play a spell, put the cards in your hand on the bottom of your library in any order, then draw that many cards. It's worked okay. The problem is, is that if you can't get all of the non-creature cards out of your hand, then you're, you're, you're sticking mm. yourself with at least one card that's going to not work out well for you. Yeah, and like it is helpful to just basically know what is on the bottom of your library. Um, let, let's talk about your, 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 secret, your secret weapon in this category. <laughs> so um, when you play out Spine Rock Knoll in your deck, Mm -hmm. And this this is for anybody listening. You, We all know it's got hideaway. You draw your four cards, or you look at the top four cards, you're not drawing them. Right. You pick the one you want the most, you put it under Spine Rock Knoll, and then you take the other three cards, throw them on the bottom of your library. Yeah. So it says hideaway, this land comes into play tapped, great. When it does look at the top four cards of your library, remove one of them from the game face down. Exile it under this mm -hmm. card, essentially. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library. Right. Now, with Grenzo, what this reads is, look at the top four cards. Pick the one that isn't a creature <laughs> and put that underneath the Spine Rock Knoll. Take, your cre take the creatures, hopefully three creatures, and put them on the bottom of your library. Now... Mm. Yeah, there, again, there are limits, obviously. I mean, if you're unlucky enough and you get a land and a, an enchantment with two creatures, well, one either the land or the enchantment's got to go uh, got to go with the creatures to the bottom of your library. Right. But it doesn't say in any order. You pick the order. So you can put the creature at the bottom. Yeah, you don't have to randomize it first. Right. So you can do that. Now, that's Spine Rock Knoll, so people can see the benefit of this because... And then they also say to themselves, ooh, and if I pay the red, I'll get the card back. Well, that, that's and if that's, you do seven. Or I guess right, you, you don't even have to do seven. No, somebody has to do seven points of damage. Right. With Spine Rock Knoll, you do get the card if you want it. Right. Now, the other one I, I'm running is Howltooth Hollow. It's another, yeah. it, it's just another hideaway land. Uh, but with Howltooth <laughs> Hollow, you're exiling a card. Yeah. Because you're never gonna have an you're never gonna get the ability. So Spinerock Knoll's ability is you may play uh, for red and a tap, you may play the removed card without paying its mana cost if an opponent was dealt seven or more damage this turn. Mm -hmm. Howltooth Hollow is black and tap. You may pay or you may play the removed card without paying its mana cost if each player has no cards in hand. Right, because How to Hollow is obviously designed with multiplayer in mind. <laughs> no, I, n nobody should run How to Hollow. Also, if you it's, have no cards in hand as well, then uh... Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> so realistically, whatever you're putting under How to Hollow is not something you're ever going to get back. So, uh, but honestly, I'm not. I don't care. I get to look at four cards and put them, put three of them in any order that I choose on the bottom of my library. This is good. Yeah. This is really good for Grenzo. And it, it's interesting because you watch people and the first time they play this, they play the deck. They're playing this out and you, and I'll reach across, I'll remind, reach across the table and remind them. 
Don't put a creature underneath this thing. Right. This is not there for your best card. Put your creatures on the bottom of your library. That's why it's in there. Because it's not intuitive until you've done it. Yeah. And then you flip a card and you're like, oh, that meant, oh. Yeah. And then you suddenly realize just how good these lands are. And so. even even if you end up putting three lands on the bottom, at least you have the information that there are three lands on the bottom. You either have to pay six to get through them or uh, don't. Right. Activate until you do end up putting a creature down there. Right. Um, which, like, obviously, you know, toward middle to late game, uh, you are going to end up having a lot of mana untapped when it comes back to you. So just dump it all in right. there to just get everything back in your graveyard. Yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah. I, it's fun because a card like Howltooth Hollow is a card that everybody reads. Because they're wondering, what are you doing with this? <laughs> and it isn't until, you know, I mean, I've gone, I've played against people who haven't played against this deck before. And when Howltooth Hollow comes out, they reach over to grab the card and they look at it and they look at me because they know you're never going to get this card. And then they watch as I smile and set the cards up underneath my library in exactly the order I want. <laughs> and it's like, suddenly it all dawns and it's... It's just such a great card for that. It's um, so good. So, I mean, Howltooth Hollow and, and Spine Rock Knoll are two cards that are never coming out of this deck. Yeah. Um, there, there are two other... So there's another one that really helps out setting up the bottom of the library. Um, just in general, because of just the way the card works. And there's another, like, really... I hesitate to say spicy card. Yeah. But very good. Uh, but let's take a break real sure. quick. When we come back, we'll talk about those two cards, go into some of the more, like, interesting cards, uh, and, like, kind of finish it up with just kind of a, a general overview of the excellency that is the uh, the Grenzo build uh, that has been honing itself for four years? Um, many, many years. Uh, be right back. This episode of Time for the False Pod is brought to you by Crypt Gas. Mm-hmm. Fart like farts. It's, yeah. a, it's a fart joke. Dead fart. De- dead fart. Dead this man, episode of dead Temple- man farting. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Dead Fart. <laughs> oh, boo! <laughs> boo, like a like a ghost. Boo, boo, like a crypt also, gas. That kind of sounded like a dead fart. <laughs> Now back to you. Wow. Okay. That was... Ghastly? Oh, very nice. So, let's let's build it up. Next yeah. card we're talking about, Chainer, Nightmare Adept. Yes. Uh, Chainer, Nightmare Adept is... Sure. It's a four mana. It's two, a black, and a red. Uh, it's a three-two creature, uh, and it reads, Discard a card. You may cast a creature card from your graveyard this turn. Activate this ability only once each turn. Yeah, that's cute. Let's get to the real part. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if you didn't cast it from your hand, it gains haste until your next turn. Which means, when I discard a card for the first ability, and I can take a creature from my graveyard, 
you can cast a creature from my graveyard. So then I can pay the mana for the full price to cast it out from my graveyard. And it gets haste. Awesome. Which is great. If the creature doesn't have haste, you can discard it and then immediately play it from your graveyard. Right. Uh, because the paying price is the discard. Yes. It's, it's amazing with Sir Conrad. But... Yeah. With this deck. with Yes. With this deck, when it enters the battlefield under your control, if you didn't cast it from your hand, every single card that Grenzo gets is a card that's not cast from your hand. Hmm. Uh, and they're all, non-token, they're all non-token creatures. They all enter the battlefield under your control. So they all get haste. Now, I've already said that at the end of your turn is when you should be casting these things. Well, haste means I can cast it any time. But more importantly, what happens is if I've got six mana mm. at the end of my turn i can now flip over the bottom three cards and then at the start of my turn play another land now i've got eight no no, no. whatever i get to flip three more mm-hmm. and i can do it right away and now suddenly i could have up to six creatures that you didn't know about three seconds ago that all have haste so they can all attack right away this sort of hit is way harsher Mm. Way harsher than you realize. And to be fair, I dismissed the first half of this card. It does say, discard a card. Yeah, which plays into just being able to get things back out. Right. So if I have been unfortunate enough to draw a Meteor Golem, (laughs) well, I can spend seven to play him, or I can just discard him to the graveyard. Yeah, and then use the stylus to put it... Exactly. Or I guess the stylus, well, whatever. I can use any number of abilities right. to take the card out of the graveyard, put it on the bottom of my library, and then pay two. So even if I'm using Epitaph Golem, which costs two, well, okay, fine. Now I spent four to play it instead of the seven that Meteor Golem costs. That gives me three to spare to, to grab another creature that's in the graveyard and put it directly into play. You can also choose to discard something that isn't a creature. Mm. Um, I will say that I can't think of a situation where I would discard a land because I always want more land. This deck is a mana hog. The more land you put out, the more activations you can make for Grenzo, and the more is better. Yeah, so. it, it is the sole benefit. I mean, it's not the sole benefit. It is a great benefit to having a commander that is in itself a mana sink. Just yeah. like, just yes. Just Dump it in. Just dump, like you have extra mana. Just do it. Why right. not? You right. you have nothing to lose. Uh, the other card we were talking about, uh, the Cauldron of Eternity. Ooh-wee. Now the Cauldron of Eternity costs twelve. It's ten and two black. What? Right. Uh, the first line is this spell costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. How many less? Two less. So. When I play Granzo, a lot of the time, you run, you end up with three, four creatures in your graveyard. That's just the way this deck runs. The creatures are smaller. They get hit by incidental damage. They get... Creatures die. What? In this deck. It's the best thing they do. Right. So I don't always immediately put them on the bottom of the library. Because sometimes you want to save that for a particular creature... Maybe you're looking for a creature that does damage, so that's the one you want on the bottom. Or the next time it's something else, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't always stack them up, so sometimes they sit in your your graveyard. Which means that 
if there's three of them in your graveyard, you're saving six mana on this thing, so you just cut the price in half. So now it only costs six. You can see how this would quickly come, how the, the cost of this quickly comes down yeah. in a deck like this. Um, so it says, whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. So all those cards that I was talking about that take cards from your graveyard and put them in your library, this thing is just dodging right around that whole cost. No, if they die, we're just going to put it right to the bottom of the library. Now, that line alone is enough um, because what it means is if you have your sacrifice outlet, like Viscerous Seer, sack the creature, scry. Great. Now that creature dies, but it doesn't go to the graveyard. It goes directly to the bottom of your library. You spend two, put it back out, get the ability, and then use the Seer again. So you're just reducing the cost and making it even easier to get the benefit of a card. Now, this is not an infinite, infinite loop. It's going to cost mana, but it costs less, and you'll be able to do it more often. So mm. there's a benefit there. Um, the, the final one is for two and a black and tap and pay two life. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. That's pretty good for like getting things back into the loop. Yes. Um, because like obviously you know say you have say you have four creatures in the battle or in the graveyard uh to make this cheaper those four creatures don't end up going on to the ba bottom of the library until you activate that or i mean obviously you've got like six other things to do that as well but with this out specifically uh it is a nice thing to get things back into the loop of you know it dies it goes to the bottom uh, right. Um, just keep in mind, this one is an artifact. It's not a creature. So Hearthstone isn't going to give you the benefit. Um, but in the end, for the number of times I've played Cauldron of Eternity, and it hasn't been that often, realistically, the only thing that's happening is cards are going directly to the bottom of my library. Yeah. That's how it's That's how it's benefiting. And that's a big benefit. Yeah, I mean... It just, it just is. Like, sure, it's three and tap, so you can activate it once right um per round yeah and you've got you know four other things that will put things on the bottom of the library so you don't need to activate it mm -hmm. and with the cauldron of eternity by the time you've drawn it you've probably started to like put things back on the bottom and like flip right. stuff out so like now when you draw it you just kind of put that on hold until you've got a loaded graveyard yeah hopefully somebody played a wrath and then boom put it out and you're on your way. Right. So it it just does a lot. Um, I'm looking forward to getting this into play more often. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, There's a lot to this deck. Um, a lot of typical things that you think I think you might see in lower powered lower lower power as in creature power decks. Right. Um, but with that, I think like. It does a lot of... You've got some things to boost some things. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got your Judith. Um, mm -hmm. There's Mod, Mad Auntie. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, though, Mad Auntie's there as a way to protect Grenzo. It makes sense. I, I, I believe Mad Auntie and Grenzo are the only goblins in the deck. <laughs> I could be wrong. But if there are others, it's, incident, it's incidental. What are your favorite cards in this deck? What, uh, what what cards make the biggest plays or the big the, the funky one that I like that doesn't get a whole lot of 
shouts from the crowd. I thought you were going to say Grey Merchant. No. <laughs> Herald of Lashrak. We'll get to Grey Merchant in a minute. Uh, Herald, Herald of Lashrak. Uh, Harry is one of my favorite creatures in the deck. It's a 2-4 creature. It costs 7 mana total. 6 and a black. Oof. It has flying, but it has a cumulative upkeep of gain control of a land you don't control. Cumulative upkeep. Yes. Uh, for those who don't remember, I guess, uh, it gets age counters, and then at your at the beginning of your upkeep, you add an age counter and then pay its and then pay its upkeep. So and the each upkeep turn is... it goes one, two, etc. You know, right? Cumulative. Yes. <laughs> so so the first time you go through and 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 you put an age counter on it, then it essentially says gain control of one land you don't control. Mm-hmm. And it says gain control of a land, not gain control of target land. So you can target stuff that's not target, or you can go after stuff that's not targetable. Mm. Um, so you you take that land. So your opponent loses it, and you get it, and that's huge in this deck because you want more mana. You always want more. Mm. And if Herald of the Shrack is around for the next turn, when you flip that up to two, now you're taking two lands. You don't have to target the same person. In fact, I recommend you don't. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of dirty pool to steal three lands from one person in two rounds. Um, Herald of Lashrak is much more likely to stick around if you spread it a little. At some point, if you get to that fourth age counter, figure out the person who's least likely able to kill it. Yeah, because at that point you've got ten lands. You've got ten lands, and because you're taking four of theirs, you're pushing them down into the point where they're starting to be out of the game yeah and i mean it doesn't even have like each upkeep it doesn't have to be from the same person right um which is nifty yeah um the thing for harold is he gets a plus one plus one or gets plus one plus one for each land that you control but don't own so after your first upkeep you now can there's now one land that you've stolen Mm. so he get he becomes instead of a two four a three five and flying right and the next round he's now a five seven flyer Mm. this starts to get really ugly really fast and the best part is he doesn't have to do damage to take your land he just has to be on the board yeah Um, and even going back to you know uh activating grenzo at end step right you get lashrak out you get harry out yeah Immediately, you take somebody's land. You go to your turn, and it's like, bam, take yes, somebody's land. Exactly. So, I love this card, and it's not because it goes in sync so perfectly with Grenzo or does something with the bottom of the library. It's because it has two power, and it mm. grows really fast, and it targets opponents' lands. Now, this isn't destroy all lands. Mm. This is, I'm going to take one. And then I'm going to use it. And then I'm going to use it. Now, Practically speaking, anybody who's playing against me, just tap your land. Mm. And then I get your tap land. And because I'm because it's upkeep, the un, untap's already gone by. So I'm not going to get to use your land until the next turn. Right. Whatever. I'll happily wait. You're also not going to get to use your land the next turn. Right. So, um, it's just one land that you didn't have before. Right. So it's just... It's another one of these cards that you rarely see in Commander. And... It just fits so nicely in this deck. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest issue with it is that if you start taking people out with it, you you quickly lose those lands. Yes. And that's the other problem. Um, 
so it becomes this fine balance of are they going to take you know who can remove it right and do they want to right you know and so if you swing at somebody that can remove it and he's huge they'll take it out if you swing elsewhere maybe they don't take it out maybe they're happy to see you kill off another opponent yeah whatever you have to make that balance you have to make that balance work and if you're like me you get to play with i don't know maybe maybe you get lucky and you get to play with a maze of ith or a uh a, a guy's cradle right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. what are you gonna do with uh, uh a bunch of green mana in this deck uh you're gonna activate you're gonna uh, activate grenzo right. many many times many times yes because I don't care what color it is. <laughs> as long as it's uh, as long as I can activate Grenzo, we're good to go. Um, one of the other ones that uh, that has gotten a lot more attention lately in our group mm. um, is Olivia Valdaren. Especially yeah. now that she's married. Especially now that she's married. Now this is the original Olivia. So uh, back then she was a three-three with flying. She cost four. It was two with a black, two a black and a red. Her first ability was for one and a red. Olivia Valdaren deals one damage to another target creature. That creature becomes a vampire in addition to its other creature types. And then you put a plus one, plus one counter onto Olivia. So this, a lot like Harold, is a way to make Olivia much bigger. Mm-hmm. So spend two, get it a little bigger, and that way when it swings, it kind of hits, it hits harder than it would as a 3-3 flyer. The next ability, though, is for three black and a black, gain control of target vampire for as long as you control Olivia Valdarin. Well, you're making their creatures into vampires when you hit them. So you can go after their biggest creature, do one point of damage to it, and then spend five to take it. Mm. Now, these are both creature abilities. So again, hard stone kicks butt with this, de- with this whole deck. <laughs> It's amazing so, how many times I've played against this deck and Hearthstone's come out, and I didn't realize Hearthstone is uh, symmetrical. Yes, Hearthstone works for your opponents as well. Um, so it's something it's something that you can keep in mind when mm. you're playing against it. But uh, the deck really does load up. And, and as like a side note too, like this yeah. ramp package includes Crypt Gas and Treasonous Hoger. So like it is not terribly much to start stealing everybody's things with Olivia. Well, and that's what we found in some of the more recent games. Um, I will quite often sit on it, wait. <laughs> like the fonts, A. Right. And when the attack comes my way, I can use Olivia yeah. to just simply take the attacking creature. Or take a creature from somewhere else and use that to block. <laughs> um, it, however, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, it's... It is... Yeah, it's yeah. also not until end of turn, like a lot of threat effects. Right. Uh, granted, right. you're yeah, paying you a lot one. of mana for it, yes. so like you better be keeping it. But. Right. And when Olivia leaves, you lose all these creatures. So generally, I do my best not to use Olivia. Right. I would prefer to sit there with the seven mana, and then when my last opponent says go, I'm not going to then use it to take your great creature. I'm going to use seven mana to activate Grenzo three times. <laughs> Or seven times, if I'm lucky. Mm. Um, but that's sort of where this deck goes. But Olivia has done uh, some great work and has become a, a primary target when I play it. So, um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed Olivia. You know, with all the good news out of the way, uh, what, mm-hmm. are, what are some of the flops in this deck? Or what are some of the things well, that you're like, 
this does okay, but it's not what I want to do. Okay. Or maybe there, I other I other adjective. Okay, well let's let's just talk about Grey Merchant Vasfidel. <laughs> I don't want to save it to be the last card to talk about mm. in the deck. Don't um, worry. So Grey Merchant, uh, for those who don't know, is a two-four creature. It costs five mana. It's three, a black, and a black. It says when Grey Merchant Vasfidel enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So if I flip Grey Merchant off the bottom of my library, <laughs> I've paid two mana. Grey Merchant comes out, looks around the board. Now, if it's just Grey Merchant and Grenzo, the devotion is three. All of my opponents each lose three life, and I gain nine because wow. they've each lost three life if I've got three opponents. And that's at instant speed. That's at instant speed. That's if it's just Grey Merchant and Grenzo on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. So realistically, you can say that the Devotion is probably going to be five or more when yeah. you flip Grey Merchant. Yeah, I mean, even with just like a quick <clears throat> scan of this deck, you've got you know eight or nine other creatures that have double black pips. Yes, there is a lot of double black in the deck. Mostly because I don't care about the mana cost. <laughs> I'm flipping them off the bottom. So who cares if it costs two black or one or three or however much? Yeah, that's it one of my matter. That's one of my favorite things about this deck is that right. it looks at those those high cost creatures. Like if you look at the curve of this deck, it is wild. Yeah. Um, and it's because you're you're putting them out for two. That's <laughs> right. that's the deal. Right. Now. The thing is, so if Grey Merchant comes out and my devotion is 5, everybody loses 5. I gain 15. And by itself, that sounds like fun. That sounds like a big card, a big swing. I've had times when uh, my devotion was 12. And that ends a game quick. Or at least it puts, puts a real hammer down on your opponents. Mm -hmm. The trick then becomes, now he's there to block. So your opponents won't won't swing at you because mm. they know that if the Grey Merchant dies, you are going to get it back onto the bottom of your library and you're going to do it again. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? That's another 15 points of damage. That's another 15 points of damage you're dealing out to your opponents. It's another 15 life. It works out really well. <laughs> the problem is, and this was coming up at the start of uh, when I first built the deck. Grey Merchant was proving to be the way to end games. Mm -hmm. Meaning almost the only way this deck won. So I would find a way to get it, find a way to sack it, whether it was too, uh, uh, whether it was Viscera Seer or some other way to get rid of it and get it back onto the bottom. Uh, I can recall more than one game where I managed to sack it twice in the same turn and recast it. So I ended up, so the enter the battlefield trigger went off three times in one turn. And I won that game because of that. That's all well and good. But when it, it started to feel like the only way I could win was with this gray merchant. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't working. So I took the gray merchant out of the deck because I don't want it to be a one trick pony. I want right. to see what else happens. Um, the problem was nothing else was happening. The deck was just sitting there spinning its wheels, looking like it was doing lots of stuff, but it wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah. So I went through and rehashed a lot of cards. 
and looked at cards like Olivia Valdarin, looked at Herald of Lashrak, looked at Haunt of Hightower, and some of these, and some other cards that do big things. And that started to work. And then I put Grey Merchant back in because I felt like at that point, it, it was wasn't just, just waiting for this card. It was a, a piece <clears throat> in your utility belt. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, Grey Merchant is just that good. Having said that, I don't mind flipping it over. I just don't want... I always get nervous when I flip it over and know that, okay, I have two ways to, activ to activate it from the graveyard. Yeah, get it back out there <clears throat> as many as times as you can. Right. Because like, so, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so you're doing your best to block with it. You're doing whatever you can to try and kill this creature. Right. Um, and, I mean, hopefully your opponents are not helping you out. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it, it, it's just not as fun yeah. as it was the first few times I cast it. Yeah, I'm your not opponents are, it out, but... Yeah, your opponents are waiting until you... They have enough to just kill you outright before you have a chance to reactivate. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite cards in this deck is Deathbringer Thoctar. Okay, I, feel like yeah. I, I feel like I don't see this card nearly enough. Right. Uh, probably because it's a six mana at 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Uh, it's four black and a red. Creature zombie beast. A 3-3. Three, three. So, like, you know, for a zombie, like, you'd figure you'd probably see a lot of play. Um, but... Whenever another creature dies, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on Deathbringer Thogtar. Then it has an activated ability. Remove a plus one, plus one counter from Deathbringer Thogtar. Deathbringer Thogtar deals one damage to target creature or player. As somebody who plays a lot of tokens, uh, this scares me um, because you just machine gun down one ones for days. Yeah, until... it's, it's essentially free. Yeah, or I guess any X one. But yeah, yeah it just, it's um, beautiful. The other part with the Thoktar, it's it's the sack outlet. So mm. if I can, if Thoktar has four plus and plus one counters on it, I won't hesitate to use that to get rid of Grey Merchant. <laughs> Puts it in the graveyard and lets me loop around. Makes sense, yeah. And you can do that with other with other creatures that you control. Now, ideally, you're not doing that, but yeah, if if need be, you can. Um, now it's got. I mean, it's two target. Oh, it is target creature or player. Never mind. I was going to say this works nicely with a card uh, that you're interested in putting in this deck. You've got a nice little couple cards here yes. uh, that you're trying to put in. I was going to say it works nicely with Brash Taunter. Brash Taunter says when it's dealt damage, if it uh, it deals that much damage to target opponent, it is indestructible. So it's essentially like a, a stuffy doll. Yeah. But uh, Deathbringer Thoctar does say to player, so never mind. Uh <laughs> But either way, um, Brass Taunter is one of the one of the new cards that I want mm -hmm. that I haven't put in the deck yet, but is going in the deck very soon. Um, and just because, hey, a one-one indestructible and uh, uh, has an activated ability, right? And if I know it's on the bottom of my library, my opponent may not know that it's there, so they can swing in. Yeah, and then suddenly they're now faced with a Brass Taunter blocking their seven-seven, which they didn't think was. Which they hoped that the only thing was going to block was Grenzo. Right. And, Surprise. And along the same play pattern of getting things out right before your turn, mm -hmm. the hardest thing with Brash Taunter is just waiting until you can activate it. Right. So, you know, put it out before your turn. Now mm -hmm. it has faux haste and uh, 
because it's it's now your turn and right and then you're spending you can... three in a red to tap it and fight two in a red yeah or two in a red um, again or one another red. creature yeah. that Hearthstone helps out with um, right. but yeah so I love that idea uh, I like and, these two other you know editions. another goblin in the deck yeah right <laughs> I like these two other additions too okay um, you've got Desecrated Tomb which says one whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard create a one one black bat creature token to fly. Now, it's great for blocking. Uh-huh. Um, because you're going to be generating so many um, bats. Right. Uh, now, just to explain, a lot of people, when they watch, when they see Grenzo working, they, you know, when I use it, I pick up the library, flip over the bottom card, because I want it to be dramatic and fun. Mm-hmm. What Grenzo does say, though, is you're supposed to take that card and put it in your graveyard. And now, if it's a creature that has power and toughness equal to or less than Grenzo, then it enters the battlefield. So it's going from the graveyard to the battlefield. That's why this card is so good in Grenzo. Yeah, because essentially, ideally, you're taking it from your graveyard, putting it on the bottom of your library. Got a bat. Then you're flipping with Grenzo, and it's going to your graveyard, and then you play it from your graveyard you get another bat right fantastic every time it's two bats right uh the fantastic about this thing about this is that very quickly quick overlook of your deck you're generally not putting more than one card out of your graveyard at a time like it's usually like like you know you're saying you're activating grenzo five times so you just flip five cards um that's five different activations yes uh, so you are getting five bats, five bats yes. uh, if all goes well. Yep. Uh, now, your last card uh, that you're interested in putting in, uh, it's just, it's so good. I mean, we've it seen really it on Game is. Nights. Seen it on Game Nights, seen it, you know, other places. Florian Valdarin Scion. Uh, one black and a red. 3-3. Three, three. Legendary creature, Vampire Noble. First strike. Uh, great. That's uh, okay. Fine. It's a three-three, which is the which is important because it activates with Grenzo. Yeah. Uh, where X is one. Um, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the total amount of life your opponents lost this turn. Exile one of those cards and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. That part's. Eh. Yeah. You may play the exiled card this turn. Okay. Couple things. Grenzo rarely does a ton of damage. Right. So I look at Florian and I say, uh, I'm picturing times when I do three points of damage. <laughs> so if I do three points of damage, I take those three cards, look at them, exile the one that's not a creature. Right. Put the other two on the bottom. Now, in a random order, well, I've got two cards. It's, There's a good chance it's the bottom one or yeah. the next one. Yeah, and I know that. Um, in situations where uh, where I've done ten damage, well, then Florian becomes a lot more shotgun like. Right. Uh, it becomes a little more chaotic. I like Florian mostly because um, I have found that the deck really wants Hearthstone, and if I can do five damage and look at five cards. And one of them is Hearthstone. I can exile Hearthstone, put the other ones on the bottom, whether they're creatures or lands or artifacts or whatever. Right. 
I'm getting Hearthstone. Yeah, you get Hearthstone for what is it three? Right. So uh, essentially, I'm a I'm. I see Vol- Florian as uh, you know Scry X, where X is the amount of damage you did in combat. Mm. I'm okay with that. If it means it mucks up the bottom of my library, then it mucks up the bottom of my library. I'll but if you're, that. yeah, if you're getting Hearthstone out of it, it becomes significantly cheaper to chew through those ten cards, right? Um, right. Or I guess those nine other cards. Yeah. It, it, it come. It comes from a, a, you know, twenty mana activation for all ten of those cards mm-hmm. to uh, three for Hearthstone and then nine for the other cards. So it's down to twelve, which is you know not insignificant but you probably know i mean you definitely know what creatures are there so you know when to stop well and this is just it so um you know hearthstone uh cryptgast mm. cryptgast i'm not going to put on the bottom of my library i'm going to exile that so i can cast it because i don't want to have to be i don't want it to be one of five cards that i'm digging for yeah i want it to come out now yeah uh, so i'll pay the the four instead yeah. of two. Unless um, X is two and then you've got Cryptgast and, you know, whatever. But, right. Um, but I want to try Florian. I want to see um, my... It's nice too, because with Florian, it is... You may play the Exiled card. So if you yeah. have Florian out, don't play your land before combat. Wait until you look at the top whatever cards. Right. Choose a land to Exile. And then you can just play it. Right. And like you said, you don't have to play it. Mm. It may turn out that, you know, you're looking at the cards you have and it's like, okay, well, that one, I don't even want to see it in the graveyard. Right. You know. It'll just stay exiled. Like, you know, I mean, if you've got two lands, I mean, this deck doesn't really have a way to get lands out of the graveyard, so you can exile it if you're not worried about casting it or whatever. Um I wanted to try Florian at least in part because I felt like this deck wasn't chaotic enough. Um, the whole idea of pulling from the bottom is that there's supposed to be this sense of, I don't know what's there. Mm-hmm. Who knows what it could be? And you flip it to find out. This deck really clamps down on that. Uh, so there are times when you'll be flipping blindly, but not as often as the deck could be if you built it you know, with that in mind. There are a lot of other cards that I, you know, if I were to take out the entire control package, I could throw in another 10 uh, crazy creatures and add some ramp and do some other stuff. Yeah. To really just be like, at the end of the turn, I'm spending all my mana over and over and over again and never knowing what I'm going to flip. Yeah. And I think the cool thing, too, is that uh, with Florian, it is loss of life. So say you have Cryptgas out, you have Florian out, Mm -hmm. you don't want to attack because you'll lose one of them. Uh, play something else, or even you have Cryptcast out, you play Florian out, you extort him, everybody takes one, you gain three? Is that how extort works? Or you gain one? Three. Um, and then second main phase, because it's total yeah. of all of your opponents, um, you get yeah. to X is three. Right. Like it, it is nice that you don't have to necessarily work very hard to make X big for that. Right. I'm also curious to see a card like uh, Gray Merchant. Mm. So if Gray Merchant, Merchant hits everyone for 10, um, then everyone has lost 30. Um, then I'm flipping 30 cards. I get to exile one. 
mm. and the other 29 go underneath on, the, on a random order. So in essence, the bottom of your library is now just random mm. because that, there's that many. But I get a kick out of that idea. Yeah. I, Wasn't you know, Teferi's puzzle box be interesting. in this deck at one point? Um, it was. Uh, it came out... Um, just a lot. Just took up a lot of time. It took a lot of time. Uh, my opponents hated it. <laughs> okay. Well, they hated not having consistency, any level of control. So, like I have, like Mind Moil is essentially Teferi's puzzle box, but just for me. Mm. So, you know, this way my opponents don't have to worry. And in the end, if your opponents are drawing that many cards, it's only a matter of time until they find a way to get rid of Teferi's puzzle box. Yeah. Or whatever else. So, um, so I pulled it out now. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Florian. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it actually plays out, and you know, if it's not something I want to keep in, then we'll pull it out. Uh, this, like I said, the decks had a number of iterations. I don't hesitate to take cards out. There's plenty of other cards that can go in. Yeah. Something the deck does need though is more flyers. Um, it's a lot harder to find flying creatures when you get down into these lower levels, which is why stuff like Olivia and uh, uh, Herald of the Shrack are so popular for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's always there's always room for some cards to come out. Uh, Immolation Shaman is proving to be not quite as as good as I thought it was, or I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, there's Erratic Portal, which is a I thought was going to be a way for me to keep Grenzo's cost low, um, to just sort of have it out there, and if somebody tries to get rid of Grenzo, I can activate it, bring Grenzo to my hand. It just hasn't been. Yeah, it, it, it just it, it's I mean, rarely getting used. Yeah, so especially it's a, it's a for slot that really doesn't need. Especially to for essentially a three mana, three mana, three, three mana, mana commander. Yeah, three mana commander. Like his cost isn't going to get too high right. unless like people are actively removing him sure. every time he comes down. Yeah, and I will say the way this deck is set up, um, if Grenzo becomes inordinately expensive, um, I can play off the top. Um, I do have ways to get stuff out of the graveyard and onto the battlefield as opposed to always into the into the library. Mm. But, um, you know, so you can... It can run without Grenzo. It's not nearly as effective, and it's definitely not nearly as much fun. Yeah. Um, but if worse comes to worse, you can, you can do that. Um, so, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those cards that... Um, or this deck is now a deck where... I don't even need to look at the new cards to see what the updates are because <laughs> everybody knows I run Grenzo. And if anybody sees something that says bottom of the bottom of your library and it could go in Grenzo, I find out. It's always so nice. I'm always told. I love this community. So, yeah. Um, so let's start to wrap things up. All right. Um, something I completely forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode because yes. we're recording this at the end of November. This is our first episode of 2022. Ho-ho! Amazing. It is January 5th as of release. Man. Um, Christmas just flew by. I, yeah. I, it's like I missed it. Oh. <laughs> God, we've got a month until Christmas. Oh, no! Pardon me while I uh, finish this extremely long episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's been so fun. Uh, I love this deck. I can't wait to play against it. Uh Obviously, I love this deck. Yeah. Uh, if I can talk for this long, and uh, we never once mentioned most of the cards in the ramp, mm. or the card draw, or the removal package, uh, 
if you want to know about these cards we've got the list go, the list yeah. is the list is posted and quite honestly find creatures that cost less than x if you want to build grenzo and just include those yeah I mean, this there's there are so many variables with this deck like i've got at least 15 cards in here that are probably not optimal but they're fun for me hmm. find cards that are that, that you think are cool and run those instead it's got a ring to so, it uh yeah because we're temple of false but where our decks are not optimized but our plays sure as heck are fun i'm andy i'm bruce uh have a great night happy new year happy new year happy new year uh have a great night. Have a great year. Uh, and may your fifth land be the always. temple. Always. Always be the temple. May your fifth land always be the temple. Oh my god, it's the new year! <laughs> Happy New Year! Uh, yeah. yeah, I trampled all over it. Yeah. So now I can't say bye. Mm. Bye! <laughs> you did it anyway. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at andyweekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye! Bye.